WGNS Murfreesboro, W270AF Murfreesboro, W263AI Murfreesboro, Smyrna. The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now, your host, Scott Walker. Well, a good morning time right now, 8.20. You're tuned to WGNS, your good neighbor station since 1947. And this morning we have in studio with us Warren Gill, who recently wrote a book, Cane Creek Days. Warren, how are you this morning? I'm doing very well. Now, before becoming a writer, you spent a lot of years with the Ag Center and the Ag Extension Office and helping 4-Hers and all kinds of stuff. So tell us a little bit about your background first. Well, uh, you mentioned 4-H. I just have to say that Brian Barrett was uh, one of my favorite 4-Hers and I think even did some of his first announcing at 4-H horse shows. He uh, did. Uh, and by describing that, uh, you you can see that I had a w- lot of wonderful experiences while working with uh, the University of Tennessee extension working with young people working with farmers uh, uh, you know bringing my uh, rural experience plus education uh, uh, to the forefront but still one of the most wonderful parts of my career was being department chair over the ag program at MTSU remarkable program now Warren you grew up on a family farm I believe in Petersburg Tennessee in Petersburg Tennessee if you don't know where that is go through Shebville and bear a little bit right about 40 miles from from Murfreesboro a wonderful little community now, how much land did your family have growing up, and what kinds of animals were out there? 400 and some odd acres. Uh, it was a storybook farm in that uh, it had it, almost everything. We had sheep, and we had hogs, we had chickens. Horses were a big deal. Uh, milking, dairy cows, uh, uh, that was a very important part of, of my early growing up. And then later on, we uh, we got more into beef cattle. But just about every uh, animal that you can think of, we had out there. Now, what are you raising now out there? Basically, we're raising grass. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, my, my brother and sister, Alan and Gloria, and I still maintain the family farm, but we have turned a lot of the uh, farming operations uh, to the Dunhamans, who are next door. They're a, a remarkable dairy family. It's it's a pretty rare thing to see a 40, 50 cow dairy being maintained, but they're doing a good job of it, and they're going to be able to uh, really probably utilize our farm even better than we have. So do you actually live out there on the farm? I sure do. Until, uh, I mean, only recently, I I stayed, I moved to Murfreesboro in 1985 and moved back home this summer. Uh, Helped a lot by these outstanding uh, uh, housing, house prices in the, in Murfreesboro these days. Man, prices have gone sky high. Well, it it sure helped uh, grease the skids for my way back home. And I did have a nice cabin that I bought in 1982 with 50 acres and i've been working on it uh uh, for all those years and it's really a a kind of a nice place to live so your retirement years sounds like you're doing more work than ever before almost if you're fixing up a cabin i'm a i'm a pretty high energy kind of person a a lot of my mtsu people uh, i think would would agree with that uh i'm i'm not too good at slowing down and frankly 
I had a dream for quite some time uh, to retire and become an author. I've written a lot of technical uh, things. Uh, I wrote a lot of articles talking about how good the MTSU Ag program is, but now I want to write what I like. Now, a lot of people have that dream of becoming an author. I, I mean, I've run into so many people over the years who, who have said, you know, I want to write a book one day, but they never actually do it. But you did it. I did it. And and, and I, I'll tell you the spur that uh, that made me do it. Uh, my daughter, uh, Greer, uh, heard all those uh, stories about me growing up, uh, all the trouble I got into, uh, <laughs> the fun that we had. And she said several years ago, Daddy, write this down. And so instead of taking a big gulp at, at a book, I wrote a lot of little stories and, uh, and, and, and did it over quite some time. And then I realized, okay, I've got enough for a book here. And how can I tie it into a, a book? Well, most of the stories uh, happened along this beautiful little creek called the Little Cane Creek. It uh, uh, comes off the Chestnut Ridge uh, and goes uh, down into Petersburg. And so many of the stories, whether they were the, some of the bad ones where the dogs got into the sheep and killed quite a few of our sheep, that was a tragic day. But the fun parts were, were playing in that creek, fishing in that creek, doing all the things that I described in the book. And this whole book is uh, about a character who's actually you. Yeah. And, He's a character, yes. <laughs> and about growing up in, in rural America, rural Tennessee. And that's interesting in itself. Because it's interesting. Uh, uh, I was born... On December the 20th, 1950, if anybody's shopping for my birthday present. Oh, right? <laughs> uh, and, and so farming in the 50s is, is a lot of what this is. Wasn't all great. Uh, uh, it, it was good in that World War II was over. These, uh, all these young people uh, uh, that came back from the war were remarkable. We called them the greatest generation. Well, I, I truly, deeply believe that because they, they did amazing things. Uh, and, and a lot of those people were farmers. They were trying to make it as farming. Farming was not great in the 50s. It was good. There were good things and bad things, but it was kind of tough to, to uh, make a living. And in fact, my father uh, did finally uh, uh, not give up on the farm. He kept on going, but he had to get a little job at the at NASA. At NASA. <laughs> at NASA helped a lot of farms in Lower Middle Tennessee and, and Alabama uh, uh, keep going as as these intelligent, hardworking people uh, worked to put a man on the moon. So, what in the world did your dad do with NASA? He was an engineering technician, uh, which basically meant he he tested he tested all the materials uh, that that they were putting into at the time saturn is one that that i remember so well trying to get that the largest rocket ever up in the uh, air it took some pretty remarkable uh, remarkable materials and and he tested those materials oh uh, and also he didn't talk about it very much because he wasn't supposed to <laughs> so did he work in the huntsville area yes. but then commute back home to the family he farm? sure did in fact uh and that wasn't quite as bad as it seems because so many i uh i had two uncles an aunt cousins many people in the community so carpooling uh was a was a pretty uh convenient thing and 19 cent gasoline sure made it easier i bet yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, so the Huntsville area, that changed the landscape of Alabama, bringing in scientists, bringing in people from, from Germany, from Japan. I mean, it really changed the landscape of Huntsville, and it changed the education system there as well back in the 50s. Absolutely, it, and it, it, the change continues. I, I heard uh, just recently that Huntsville is now larger than Birmingham. It's the largest uh, city uh, in Alabama, and again, Fayetteville and Lincoln County and really Giles County and Franklin County are not that far, and, and so the, those, those lower middle Tennessee counties have very much benefited especially the farmers like my dad. <laughs> so what are some of the stories that you recall that you wrote about in the book Cane Creek Days? Well, uh, one thing, the Cane Creek was a very wonderful source for a, a little boy to find snakes. Now, my motives weren't altogether uh, great. I, I sometimes uh, used the snakes to uh, I'd actually catch a snake and put it in my pocket and go to school <laughs> and scare girls. <laughs> uh, you know, most of the girls in, in my school didn't scare that easy, and most of them were, were, were pretty tough. So that was a that was kind of a risky business. Uh, one of the funniest, though, was in the, in the sixth grade, uh, had a teacher called Mr. Campbell, uh, and he was the local Cumberland Presbyterian preacher, as well as a sixth grade teacher, and one of the nicest, sweetest men I ever knew. Excellent teacher. And I had a snake in my pocket one day, and I went up and I wanted to show Mr. Campbell that my neat little pet and and so I held it in front of his face and he thought it was a rubber snake uh -oh. until that little tongue darted out and it frightened him so much that he literally leaped and fell over backwards and ran out of the room. <laughs> I thought I was ruined. First of all, he's my favorite person in the world, and, and he's oh, he's going to hate me. But uh, after he got over the initial shock, he actually came back in and said, put that in a jar, and then he actually carried it around and showed it to the other teachers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people were different back then compared to today's times, especially in our schools. Uh, what, do, what do you see that stands out to you as – a striking difference back then versus today and the kids today well uh probably the kids today in some ways are more sophisticated they ha they have uh things to play with uh, uh, we didn't even have television when i started school so you think of that computers had no idea that such a thing existed uh but uh, we did have a very, very healthy respect for our teachers. We, uh, and and I have to admit, you know, some of my teachers would probably tell you that I was a little bit of a, a smarty, smarty pants. Uh, uh, sounded off a little bit too much. Got caught talking in school uh, too much. But when the teacher said, "Calm down," we calmed down, and 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 we really studied. I think we studied pretty hard, and it's, it's carried on. Uh, it allowed me to have a, a very uh, good career as a professor at both UT and MTSU. In Petersburg, were the grades combined in school? No. No, we were first grade, second grade. Now, we didn't have two first grades. We didn't have three fourth grades or anything like that. Uh, when, you know, Miss Sarah, uh, Miss Sarah Talley, uh, was, uh, she was something of a taskmaster. 
but you couldn't skip it. <laughs> you had, uh, you couldn't say, okay, I'd rather have this teacher instead of that teacher. Now everybody had to go through uh, Sarah, Miss Sarah's uh, t tough but loving uh, uh, school, and guarantee you. If you came through there, you learned, you read, you could read, you could do math, you could do whatever you had to do. Now, in addition to a public school in Petersburg, wasn't there some type of reform school there or a military-type school? Not reform school. <laughs> Not reform school. <laughs> you might get some calls. Like about a private school then. It was a private school. Okay. It was a preparatory school. It, it, it was actually, it drew students from all over the eastern United States, New Jersey, Arkansas, uh, you name it. And it was there for a couple of reasons. Uh, uh, it was a, a very well-known sports school. Uh, the uh, the uh, when my father uh, played there, uh, I think it was like thirteen uh, of the members got offers to go uh, to uh, play college ball. Most of them did not because that coincided with the outbreak of World War II, and uh, and so that, that it, some remarkable football careers I think got uh, got stepped on there, but. It, Highly academic, rigorous uh, uh, school uh, with an excellent reputation that later in the 50s turned into the Petersburg High School that then lasted until 1969. So it, it was a private school at one point, and I, I, I would imagine kids would board there as well. They oh, absolutely. There. absolutely. They had a, a, a large fairly nice dorm uh, uh, that is no longer there. The only thing that's still left is the main administration and classroom building. And, uh, and it, it, it's not in all that good a shape, but it's still there and it's still beautiful to those people who uh, spent three or four years there. Now, back then when you were growing up, classrooms still had the chalkboards in them, which is something that you don't see in classrooms today. If anything, you see a dry erase board. That's right. And, and uh, if, if you were caught talking or misbehaving, you got to stay behind and clean the the board and and, and clap the uh, the erasers together uh, and and smell all that chalk dust and all that. But yeah, that, it, it was a lot different uh, uh, it, it, and 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 really a lot of fun. Warren Gill again with us today, talking about a book he wrote called Cane Creek Days, and it's a book basically about your life growing up as a child in rural america yes growing up on a farm what kinds of daily duties or tasks did you have each morning oh that well early we had to milk uh, uh now uh we it was mid 50s uh when we moved out of that uh so then it became more like uh uh feeding the calves, uh, uh, making sure all the pets, every, the, you take care of the animals before you take care of yourself. And, and so we did that. Uh, and then when we came in, particularly in the wintertime, uh, we had probably in the range of 60 cows uh, that had to be fed. So my brother and I, uh, as soon as we got home from school, we would have to take care of that chore. And feeding 60 cows, is a, uh, it, it took a little while. And boy, it was, you sure did get cold back in those days. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. It just doesn't seem to be nearly as cold these days. It, it was uh, uh, almost amazing how, how cold it was on some of those evenings when we were out there feeding those cows. And you didn't have a four-wheeler like farmers have today to ride the four-wheeler from the house to the barn or anything like that. No, in fact, uh, uh, we just trudged around. Uh, uh, and we did have a, 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 some pretty 
pretty nice tractors, but uh, uh, for the time. Uh, and horses uh, you know that you didn't just go get on a horse to go feed but a lot of our chores were done with horses uh, you know the horses play a big part uh, in this uh, in, in the Cane Creek Days book as you, as you anybody who reads it will see they were important they, they were a means of transportation uh, the, by, by the 50s the show thing the Tennessee walking horse had developed in, into uh, an attraction you know people from all over were going to horse shows and in this competition and it actually made money for a lot of farmers you know if, if you had a few mares and can sell some pretty good colts or even show even or train uh, that was a good sideline and even of uh, the main event for some uh, farmers particularly around the uh, uh, as a kid what did you think when you first heard about a horse show coming to town? Because back then, you, you know, I would imagine it'd be kind of like a car show at first. You know, oh, what, it was, what was just, it like? It was a thrill. Everybody pitched in. You know, there was, you know, the 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 ladies would be making pies to sell to raise. There'd be ham and biscuits for sale. Uh, it, a whole community thing. It, in many cases, it was the main fundraising event uh, for the the civic clubs, lions clubs, rotaries, uh, uh, those kind of things. So, so it uh, they were truly uh, a major major part of what went on uh you know uh, it it was uh we didn't have nearly as much access uh to some of the entertainment venues that are out there uh these days uh the the best entertainment in town was typically the horse show i, I bet so now times were tough at times for you do you remember some of those tougher times some of the years where i guess you know the, the sale of of milk the sale of farm animals was down i mean do you remember those oh, tough times i remember well? them and and I'll, I'll say this to to start that uh my parents uh they they sheltered us to, from some of that i know it was much worse than we felt uh and i remember sometimes when tears were involved uh, uh there were things that were happening uh, one year about 56 uh we had our our main barn that had tobacco tobacco was a big deal in those that's the the cash crop uh it had the dairy it had all of our hay for that year and it burned and i remember so well uh this huge fire that was out there mama would not let me go <laughs> any closer uh but that's just about did the farm in it was really really scary daddy had to at foot before he we went to work for nasa uh he had various pickup jobs it was a struggle uh and but we always had uh, a good meal on the table mama never let us now it might have been pinto beans and, and toast or something but but we filled our bellies up and kept on going people didn't go out to eat at restaurants like they do today do they and oh. there weren't choices of restaurants yeah very few choices of restaurants and and frankly cash money was was limited so uh, uh it was a big deal uh to to be able to go out to eat uh, one thing I, I'll never forget uh, is we would go visit my uncle up in Kentucky and come through Murfreesboro, and Murfreesboro had a Shoney's restaurant. 
and we thought that, that 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 was the greatest thing that we had ever seen we loved coming to murfreesboro and the highlight was going to that shoney's restaurant which is no longer there out on broad now the early days of murfreesboro you had a population of you know max twenty thousand up to the 70s or so uh so it was quite different as well everything was different what car do you remember riding in to drive or your, your parents driving all the way to murfreesboro in? a fair lane ford fair lane the first one and it it was such a slick looking with those fins and and all those kind of things uh uh and and it it ran pretty good too uh, that that was uh uh the first one that comes to mind uh, my grandfather was on the production credit uh the, which is now the farm uh, farm uh, uh, credit uh, uh, association uh, that uh, he was on the board so we got to come to Murfreesboro quite often and, and uh, well uh, the, the people that I remember so well the Horde family uh, you, you know right now there's uh, you know we have Charles, Charles and Epps and Joy and and uh, 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 and they had a big farm Betty. back then. Oh, well, that still do. Yeah, they still do. In fact, I understand uh, this new entertainment uh, uh, center, sports complex, is going to be out on part of their uh, their farm. Sure is. I think yeah. that's such an exciting thing for Murfreesboro. Yeah, that's out there on Northwest Broad at eight forty. Mm-hmm. Um, so you remember coming to other farms in Murfreesboro, and I guess trading goods, buying things, all that. Oh, stuff. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, compared to uh, Petersburg, Murfreesboro. Was was a shopping <laughs> mama really loved it frankly shopping was not real high on my fun list <laughs> so <laughs> what better as, grocery stores too as you got older in petersburg working on a farm what were date nights like i mean if you found a girl you wanted to go on a date with what was that like back then well first thing that comes to mind mama taught we had a party line I don't know if anybody out there really knows what a party line is, but going up the uh, the valley, everybody was on the same line. It's 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 same like phone three circuit. or four phones in your house. Well, everybody had a phone, but uh, and you had your own little ring and all that. And I remember my mother saying, "Now, when you talk uh, to your girlfriends out on on the uh, on the phone, you better be careful what you say because your grandmother can hear every word that you say." Oh my! <laughs> so we had that little uh, uh, awkwardness, uh, uh, but uh, we. I, I think the main things I remember some of the uh, wonderful girls who are many, uh, many of whom are still uh, good friends. The the fun time, you know, one of the best things to go was what we talked uh, to go to a horse show. Yeah, yeah, it, it was really fun to have a date and and uh, and go to the horse show. What what about movie theaters? Where was the closest movie theater, and when do you remember going to the movies? Oddly enough, Petersburg had its own movie theater that really probably closed in the late 50s but i remember going to see uh, uh gene autry and and roy rogers and and uh, uh a lot a lot of my friends i think it cost a nickel to get in uh from but from there then the the uh, we would go uh, to the Fayetteville, uh, the Lincoln Theater, which is uh, also still uh, active, uh, but the, uh, I remember very well going to the Frankenstein movie 
movies ah. <laughs> Bride of Frankenstein I don't remember it so well because I think I had my eyes closed most of the time <laughs> I, I was totally scared but uh, uh, it, it was a movie night going to a movie was a rare thing and, uh, and a truly big deal Again, Warren Gill in studio, studio with us, can't talk, in, in studio with us this morning, talking about the book he wrote, Cane Creek Days, and we're going to take a short break. When we come back, Warren, if you could think of, you know, maybe a, a good story to tell that you highlight in the book uh, that would kind of tell others about your life growing up, that'd be mm-hmm. great. Yep. Time right now, 843. We will be right back. Hi, this is Dan at Music World in Drummer's Den. We have new things going on here for Christmas. We have gift cards available for any amount from a dollar up to whatever you want to spend on it. We have Christmas specials going on. Our prices are competitive. Sometimes we're even below the online prices. We have layaway plans available, and this is real popular at Christmas. Music World in Drummer's Den, 2762 South Church, right across the street from Indian Hills Golf Course. As the Christmas season is approaching, there are many parties out there and last minute gifts, and Demas is here to be able to help you along with all those things. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Restaurants. One of the things that we have to offer is obviously our gift cards, and the gift cards come in any denomination. We have our seasonings that makes a perfect gift. We have Demas's classic t shirts. Demas's also now has catering to be able to serve you and to be able to take care of you. Any of this information is available online www.demusrestaurants.com It's so important that we recognize our veterans, shake their hands and say how proud we are of the service that they have given to our country and that we thank them for that. I am Becky Bookner and we salute our veterans. If you're not waking up to the Wake Up Crew, here's what you've been missing. Disgruntled Workers Day. At this moment, I am a disgruntled worker. Don't miss the Wake Up Crew with John, Brian, and Dalton. Weekday mornings from 6 until Swap and Shop. Honoring and remembering those who served in our military, here is today's Salute to Veterans. Norm Alzir, he's a World War II vet. In this salute, we talk to a World War II veteran. When you went into the war, at what stage was it? The beginning, the middle, close to the end? Well, it was close to the beginning, the December seventh. How many were on your crew? Six gunners and four officers. Did you ever keep count of how many you shot down? Well, yeah, I shot down three. How old were you when you went in? Nineteen. Nineteen years old. And what was your parents' opinion of the? the... No, my parents were dead a long time. I was an orphan. Being the young man you were, what kept you going? What was the driving force inside of Norm? I don't know if I could really answer that. You had a job to do, and you had to do it. That's about it, you know. Uh, you just didn't worry about it. You just no, did it. You did it. That's right. And uh, whenever you got back from a mission, you kissed the ground. I'm glad you're alive. Well, Norm, I look back and think, how would your relatives hear from you? They called a V-mail. If you wanted to write a letter home, they call it a V-mail. A V-mail instead of an email, huh? Yeah. You wrote your letter, then an officer would take it, and he'd go over it. If he thought there was stuff in there that shouldn't be said, he would cut it out. And sometimes your letter would get home, and we'd be nothing but holes. This has been a Salute to Veterans on WGNS Radio. 
Restoration One of Middle Tennessee. A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes. After disaster strikes. Fire, water, or storm damage. We can help you get your life back to normal quickly. Restoration One Middle Tennessee.com. Locally and veteran. This is Jeff Graham with Tire World. I want to invite you to visit our new off-road department at our Memorial Boulevard location, featuring lift kits, leveling kits, light bars, as well as wheel and tire packages. Just come by and ask for Gator for all your off-road needs. That's Tire World on Memorial Boulevard. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Right now that time, 8.48, you're tuned to WGNS. In studio with us this morning, Warren Gill, who wrote the book, Cane Creek Days. And this is a book about your life growing up. It's about farming in the 50s. It's about rural America. And Petersburg, Tennessee is where you grew up. Exactly. So tell us some more stories that people can find in the book or maybe stories that you won't read about in the book. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, one of my uh, favorites, uh, uh, I, I was, I guess, about 10 or 11. And my grandfather, I was I was home alone, and my grandfather uh, called me, and he needed the horse called named Hal. He was a great old gelding, beautiful Tennessee walking horse. And he wanted me to bring the horse to his home, which was about two miles away. Wow, I just thought that that was the great. My grandfather uh, trusted me to get get this big horse up. And it was kind of a struggle because it was a big horse and I was not a big uh, uh, person. Uh, but I finally got the saddle on. I, I clambered up on top of, uh, of it and, and, uh, and road started going over to my grandfather's house. And I was out on the road. And the sheriff came by, stopped, and he said, what's your name, young man? And I said, Warren Gill. And he said, whose horse is that? Uh, no, he said, uh, is the horse for sale? And I said, I don't know. Uh, you'll have to call. Uh, I gave him my home phone number. You have to talk to my daddy. And, and we went on about a business. Well, took the horse. Uh, Papa Gill uh, uh, put me in the car, took me back home, and we got there, and my mother was just traumatized. The sheriff had called and said, Mrs. Gill, do you, was your son on a horse <laughs> riding in, uh, toward Petersburg? What would you think? What would a mother think when the sheriff asked that question? Uh, she almost uh, almost died. <laughs> Just, and by the time we got there, uh, uh, she was actually pretty upset. <laughs> uh, we we kind of considered Papa Gill the patriarch. Nobody ever got mad at him, but Mama was pretty upset. And uh, and uh, let's boil it down to this. I never got a call to get out on the road with a horse again. <laughs> so how old were you when you were riding this great big horse into town? I don't remember exactly, but uh, uh, somewhere about 10, 11. 
I, I was riding a lot by then. I, I spent a lot of time you know, growing up on horses. Uh, Daddy got us our own pony. There's a there's a good bit in the book about Pluto, and anybody that knows much about Shetland ponies know they have a very strong personality. And I think Daddy's theory was if we could learn how to ride on a kind of a semi-mean uh, Shetland pony, that we would uh, become pretty good riders, and he was exactly right. So this story of you riding this horse into town at 10 or 11 that'd be like what a kid these days who's 14 or 10 taking the family car out to town oh yeah <laughs> except the car uh, a horse has a brain of its own <laughs> uh, and and that uh, mastering a horse and and in a car are pretty different skill sets and and, so. uh, and that and it's a great skill set that's part that's part of what not enough young people uh get to enjoy that interaction uh with an animal like a horse uh or a goat or a cow or a sheep <laughs> so was that sheriff really interested in buying the yes, horse he, certainly he was. really was yeah yeah okay. super nice guy <laughs> he did not uh that that horse was a really one of my grandfather's favorite uh he he had shown him as a colt uh he, he was a, a pretty top level and he wasn't for sale now law enforcement was different back then too i i, I mean you didn't have I, I guess law enforcement didn't have some of the worries they have today back then oh well, I, I, i'm sure they had plenty of worries oh, i'm sure they did but, but they were they were so much a part of the community in many cases still are I'm, I, you know that that's that's a uh, uh, i don't want to uh, make too much uh, fun of the excellent work that the people are doing now but uh, the 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 people that i remember were re almost part of the family you know we spoke to them when we went to town uh did kind of gossip with them and and uh, just uh, uh it was a andia mayberry kind yeah. of picture i i think that uh that's a kind of an accurate way to, to talk about it kids pulling pranks i know you talked about how you had a snake in your pocket you would show the kids at school but pranks were something that i think kids lived off of back then because you didn't have the gaming systems the computers and all that stuff to keep kids busy like you do today oh yeah we were we were always uh, uh pulling you know pulling little stories the oh did you hear about this and it'd be a total lie <laughs> getting things going but uh yeah uh, it, it i think that's part of the whole uh uh the tight-knit community uh, uh you know I, all the, everybody in the class well the parents knew everybody if if, if i uh if i did went a little bit too far uh, uh pranking one of the girls well i'd get in trouble uh not only from the teacher but also uh from the parents because mama would call mama <laughs> what do you remember about the days that you had to do a lot of you know farmhand work early in the morning then you had to go to school were there days of school that you missed because of farm work no no i that that, that wouldn't happen in my house uh, that my my mother was a teacher first of all and uh and, and my whole family valued education i think that's one of the blessings that that i have uh uh, the, the education did come first uh you know the, the, now we were it was kind of nice in those days in that uh in parts of the country uh you or, or the county 
uh, you got off uh, for tobacco cutting time or cotton picking time in the in the south part of the county. So, so uh, that kind of gotten taken care of. But no, you did not miss school for farm work, and and uh, at least not in my family. Maybe some families, but uh, education. My mother was. I don't know that she wanted me to come become a professor. Well, I'll I'll say it another way, uh, and a little embarrassingly, uh, I I'm not. A, uh, a, I'm not a terrifically uh, skilled person, like with welding and and uh, and all those things. And and sometimes I broke equipment. Uh, Daddy said, you know, Warren, you could break an anvil. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, somewhere along the way, I was getting up in teenage years, and and you know the common. Uh, dream at that time would be to follow your your father into farm work daddy said you know warren and i was i was a very bookish kid i read a lot he said you might be more suited to be a teacher instead of a farmer he was exactly right so when you were graduating high school did you have thoughts of what college you want to go to what choices did you have to make uh it was pretty clear, and uh, I, I was a University of Tennessee fan. I was a you know, Vol fan. Uh, I really had no other uh, thought than to go to the University of Tennessee. Uh, uh, and well, that's that's not totally true because most of my family attended uh, MTSU. Uh, my mother graduated from MTSU. Uh, her sister, uh, much of the family, more of the family went to MTSU, and were very uh, high on it. But uh, I was thinking about becoming a veterinarian at the time, and and my cousin, who is a veterinarian, Dr. Ferris Beasley, suggested that the best way to get to vet school was uh, to go to the University of Tennessee. I did not go to vet school because I got sidetracked. A, a wonderful professor uh, uh, saw some potential in me, and he started giving me projects, and and, and so I became a ruminant a cow nutritionist instead of a veterinarian uh, uh, and that opened the door to becoming a professor which is a very good career choice again warren gill is our guest this morning in studio and he wrote the book cane creek days where can people find this book well locally uh, uh grumpy's bookseller uh just off of a uh, uh, broad uh it it actually is close to the if, if you've seen the the grumpy's uh, bail bond not related at all uh but it's it's in that vicinity and he's carrying the book uh i have a website warrengillbooks.com and you can order it through that website uh or you can just Google Cane Creek Days and go to Amazon, go to Books A Million, Barnes & Noble. Everybody that sells online that I've checked uh, so far has it. Good. And, and so it's it's easy to get, not very expensive. <laughs> I, 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 that's part of the publishing deal. I've learned a lot more about publishing uh, uh, recently. And I did not write this book to make money. In fact, I, I ha I'm giving my first three months uh, of uh, royalties to uh, uh, Camp Blunt, which is uh, a place where Andrew Jackson, uh, 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 you know, got the troops together for the War of 1812. It was a very important historical site, and I'm a pretty strong believer in that. So, so I'm not making a lot of money on this thing, but uh, uh, and, and so. 
working with this wonderful publisher they kept wanting me to charge more and i said no i, I want people to, to to read it i want to I, I want to i don't want to price it out of the range of uh, of my friends and the people that that i know in tennessee so so it's a good deal uh, and 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 the publishing experience by finding a good self-publisher, I, I paid. I, I paid several thousand dollars up front uh, to to get it done, but it's been well worth it. Again, Warren Gill with us this morning, and we only have about a minute left or so. But the book, again, is called Cane Creek Days. You can search for it through Google, Amazon, all those places, and find it. And again, this is a book about your days growing up in Petersburg, Tennessee, about an hour or so from here, I guess. Yep, exactly. It, it, it was a little bit more than an hour because of traffic coming up here. But, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, these days it takes a, a lot longer to get here, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> Again, Warren Gill, our guest this morning. Warren, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Again, the book is called Cane Creek Days. Now, we're also going to post this show on our website in podcast form for you to listen to later. It'll be posted at WGNSRadio.com. Time again right now just about nine o'clock we're about 30 seconds away from nine o'clock we're going to check on local news and find out what's happening around the country with cbs news in just a minute as well stay with us more news and information is coming up